Father in heaven, we thank you for the God that you are. We thank you that you're a compassionate God that has a will um, for us to, to live close to you, um, to have an abundant life. And I thank you that you're not a God that hides good things from us, but you are just all too eager to share them. Father, I don't know the kinds of weeks that my brothers and sisters have had, but whether it was fantastic or it was very difficult, I pray that you would take any distractions from our mind right now, anything the devil is trying to use to take us away from this moment, and tailor make these words by your Holy Spirit to each and every heart, that we would leave this time not just fascinated by your word, but more in love with Jesus and more convinced of his deep love for us. We ask these things knowing that you want to answer them because we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Um, so before we start, I do want to ask, what's on your mind? And I ask that because usually when we go to something like, I don't know God's will for your life, you might have something already on your mind. You might be thinking about a decision you're making right now. You might be thinking about a decision that's coming in a few months or a few years. And you might not even be talking, thinking about yourself. You might be thinking of a loved one, someone in your family that you're like, Lord, please help them follow your will because they're not or because they're trying to figure something out. And instead of taking that part out of your mind, I want you to hold on to that. As we go through these practical points, I want you to think, how can we apply these biblical principles to whatever is on your mind? Is that fair? Yes? Also, I'm a high school English teacher, so I'm used to interactions with teenagers, so I'm used to some nodding or some you're crazy. So I'm open to both. It's fine. <laughs> so before we talk about the three principles that I want to bring up, I want to talk about something that we already do know. There might be a lot about God's will that we don't know. I don't know where you're supposed to go the rest of your life. I don't know what career path you're supposed to take. I don't know who you're supposed to marry. I don't know any of that. But there is something I do know about all of us. God has revealed much of his will already in the scripture. We can talk about what we don't know, but there's so much that we already do know. Let me give you some examples. In 1 Timothy 2, 3 to 4, we know that God wants us to know the truth and be saved. Amen? He wants us to be saved. That is part of God's will. He wants everyone to know the truth and be saved. So we can never be like, Lord, do you want this person to be saved? Yeah, the answer is yes, he does. He wants you and everyone else to be saved. He also wants people, he wants us to be thankful in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. He wants us to be sanctified. He wants us to proclaim the excellencies of God. He wants us to live peaceably with others as much as possible. There's a lot under that one. He wants us to live for his glory and way more than I have time for. There are so many slides I could fill with. So the first point here is before we focus so much on what we don't know about God's will, we can focus on what we already do know. Lord, do you want me to start this fight with someone? Well, he wants you to live peaceably with all men. And while there are exceptions to that, that Christ kind of stirred up some controversy that I'm sure we can talk about too, there are some principles already in the word of God that it's not fair just to say, God, what is your will in this when God has revealed already so much? If that makes sense, please say amen. Makes sense to seven people. Cool. All right. So going into these three points of how to know God's will more in a specific way for you and I, there are three things that we need to believe about God. The first one is we must obey God in order to know his will. That's confusing, though, because how are you supposed to obey God if you don't know his will? That's 
the wrong order, strange. So please go with me in your Bibles, even if you know this Bible verse, please go with me anyways, to John chapter 7. John chapter 7 on your paper Bible, your techie Bible, all Bibles are welcome here. John chapter 7, verse 17. Jesus is talking to the Jewish leaders who just really have a hard time with Jesus for lots of reasons. And they're basically, in verse 14 and 15, like, how does this guy even know what he's talking about? We didn't teach him, so how does he know any of this? And Jesus is defending his teaching. In verse 16, he says, so Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. Verse 17, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. Jesus himself, in talking to the Jewish leaders, says, listen, if you even want to know if my teaching's from God, you have to be willing to do what he says. That's pretty simple, right? Just like, that's the point. Because when we pray to God, we're like, God, please let me know your will. And that's, it's, it's implied that we will do it, right? I think so. And it might be implied in how we speak, but the question then is, so then do you already strive to follow all the truth that you have right now? Why would God give more truth if you don't use the truth that you already have? What's the point? And we can say that we, we want to follow God's will, that we want to do what he tells us to do, when there is truth laying by the wayside that we're like, thanks, but no thanks. Now really quick, notice what this does not say. It does not say, do you perfectly follow everything that God has revealed? That is not what that says. It says, do you strive to follow all the truth that you have? Are you making an effort? Or is there some part of your life where you say, God, I appreciate your input, but I'm not going to do that. That is completely different than, Lord, I want to do this, but I'm making mistakes along the way. Those are completely two different journeys. So don't misunderstand that. So when we want to know God's will, we need to make sure there's nothing off limits for God. Let me give you an example. A few um, months, a few months ago, I was talking to God about a career transition. I've been a high school English teacher for the past seven years, and I'm now studying to be a full-stack web developer. I know, very different, right? Super crazy. Pray for me. So I was praying <laughs> about this, about this. Thank you. I appreciate that affirmation. So I was praying about it and, you know, just asking if it's God's will. Because it's really crazy. Some people think I've lost my mind. Maybe I have. Um, so I was praying about it. And she's like, Lord, you know, I just, I want to know if I should do this. And what program should I take? And this is where my prayer life is going. But while I'm praying, the Holy Spirit says that I need to forgive give someone in my family. That's weird. That's a distraction. Okay, Jesus, we'll talk about that later. The point is, which program should I take in school? Like, which program will help me be the best full-stack developer ever? But it comes back, you should really talk to me about forgiving this person. Jesus, I don't have time for that thought. I'm here to talk about programs. Please talk to me about programs. And so it continued until I finally got the hint, because I'm slow to learn things. Like, oh, wait. <laughs> I need to talk to God about that. Because isn't it God's will for me to forgive people? Is It's God's will for me to heal past hurt and to not live a life of bitterness. And even though God is still willing to guide me in my programs for school, he wants to talk to me about forgiveness right then. 
So even though I saw that as a distraction, that's a part of God's will. And that's the point, though, is that sometimes we want God's decisions, we want God's will in these grand schemes of life. But Lord, my friendships, I mean, my friends, that's my business. My love life, that's my business. How I spend my time, that's my business. How I de-stress, that's my business. Jesus, you can do the whole career thing, that's cool. But these smaller decisions in my life and how I interact with people, I don't really want your input. But that's not how God works. We have to be willing to do God's will in all the things, to have his counsel in any of the things. So we need to make sure that when we come to God in prayer, that nothing is, is off limits. And I could go on and on about how difficult that is for me. And I speak from just this message. All my messages are actually just Jesus breaking me and teaching me things and saying, go tell people about how I broke you. So that's what this message is as well. Um, and so in this, though, when you go to God in prayer, when you're asking for God's will to know what to do with your life, at the same time, say, God, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Is there anyone else that you want to talk about? Is there something that I'm ignoring because of my fears or because of just something I'm uncomfortable with? Because I found that in those times of prayer, that is when God speaks the clearest because he says, I was just waiting for you to ask. If that makes sense, please say amen. The second point is that we will know God's will when we trust that God is clear when he speaks. God is clear when he speaks. Before we talk about his clarity, let's go over how he speaks in general. So how does, how does he speak? The first way is revelation through scripture, right? 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, all scripture is written by inspiration. No one knows that song. Inspiration of God. Okay, sorry. I do with children's Sabbath school. We know that song. And <laughs> uh, it's profitable for adoption, reproof, and it is to build us up. And I wrote this one first on purpose because all other ways to know God's will come back to the word of God. If anything contradicts the word of God, you're in the wrong territory. <laughs> the Bible is the first and last and always. Let me give you an example of the power of the word of God in making his will clear. I was running a mission trip a few years ago, and there were three missionaries that weren't getting along. One missionary was being offensive to two other missionaries. So the two other missionaries came to me and said, hey, this person's being offensive. Can you please fix it? Um, and with Matthew 18 in my mind, I'm like, well, you need to talk to them. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> you need to resolve your conflicts. And I'll help you if it goes beyond you, but you need to tell them that they're offending you and you pray together, and that's what the Bible says. They're like, yeah, that's cool. Can you please do it? Thanks. They left. Well, okay. So I still didn't feel comfortable, though, because of Matthew 18. So I went to my mentor, um, and I told him what happened. And he said, well, did you take them to the Bible? He's like, no, but I told him what the Bible said. He's like, it's not the same. You need to take them to the Word of God. It's like... I literally have to open the, yes, okay. So I took my Bible, and I went to the missionary, and I said, hey, I need to talk to you. And they think I'm, like, firing them as a missionary because it's really scary. The mission director says I need to talk to you. So I took them aside, and I said, hey, read this Bible verse. I took them to Matthew 18, I think it's verse 16. They read it, and they're like, oh, did you read this this morning, your devotions or something? No, this is what I was telling you before, why you should follow it. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And that was it. I just had them read the Bible verse, but I lectured them for like 25 minutes and it did nothing. 
There is something that the word of God can do that you and I can never, ever, ever do. Even for speaking in the principles, sometimes you just need to take someone to the Bible verse, and sometimes you and I just need to go to the Bible verse. So when we are trying to know what God's will is for us, we can find so many principles. The Bible verse doesn't say if you're on a mission trip and having a problem with a missionary, it's a principle. If your brother offends you, go tell your fault between you and him alone. That's what, the, that's what it says. And you can apply that. So as many verses we can apply. The second one is God's providence. This is one of my favorite words. I love providence. Um, we're not going to read all Genesis 37 through 50. Sorry. But um, it's my favorite story in the Bible. Does anyone know what story it is? Joseph, yes. The story of Joseph. Joseph's life is crazy. And I feel like we lose how crazy it is because we know what happens. We're like, yeah, I become second power. He meets his dad again. It's great. But he had no idea any of that was going to happen. He just knew his brother sold him and it was not a good time. And he's in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife has boundary problems. And then he goes into prison and then he becomes important in prison. His life is crazy. So at the beginning of his story, you know, he does have those dreams where sheaves and stars bow down to him, which is nice. But that doesn't say, don't worry, you're going to be a slave for a long time in a foreign land. And then you'll be second in power in Egypt. It'll all work out. That was not mentioned in a dream at any point. So if I was Joseph, I would have a really hard time being faithful in all these terrible places that he was taken. But Joseph was just that. He was faithful in Potiphar's household. He was faithful when Potiphar's wife had issues. He was faithful when he was in prison. And he was faithful when he was in charge of Egypt. He didn't know what was coming, but he said, I will live as much as I know how to serve God, no matter where I am. And it came together. And he can look back and say, wow, God really did lead me all of those places. But it wasn't clear when it happened. Providence is a lot like pressing on doors and finding the one that opens. And sometimes God does it in such crazy ways, like that door is not meant to open, that we can see that God's hand is upon us. I'll give you an example. In summer 2017, I was finishing my master's degree, and I had set up a a job to teach a year and a half prior, because I am a planner, and I know what I'm doing. But then, a month before I was supposed to start my job, they called me and said, hey, we don't have a job for you anymore. I had a year and a half of planning. (laughs) And I remember getting off that phone call, and we praised God for growth, because I put the phone down, didn't have a mental breakdown, and I just prayed and said, Jesus, This does not surprise you. It surprises me, which I don't appreciate, but it doesn't surprise you. So please just help me figure this out. Now, if there is anyone in this room who's a teacher or who knows teachers, you know that teachers are not hired at the end of July. Teachers are hired in January, February, March, if you're crazy, April, max. No one is hired at the end of July. I was hired at the end of July as a full-time position as an English teacher that I was not qualified for, and I had two of the best years teaching in my entire life. Jesus opened that door. I didn't even ask for a full-time position because I thought that was way too crazy. (laughs) But Jesus did that, and that was his providence. He didn't tell me in a Bible verse. He didn't speak to me from the heavens, but he opened crazy doors that were not meant to be open. And even when, when teaching got really hard, because teaching always gets hard, when teaching got really hard, I could say, God still wants me here. That's so obvious. So it's okay. 
And sometimes we can hang our faith on the providence of God and see how he has taken care of us in the past, so surely he'll, take, he'll continue to take care of us. Now, the third way that God can speak to us is through the influence of the Spirit. Isaiah 30, 21, you shall hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Turn to the right, to the left. Let me look it up. I'm only not looking it up because I'm trying to go a little fast, but please write it down. Isaiah 30, 21. Now, influence of the Spirit is one of the th- those things that I have found people avoid talking about, and by people I mean me also, because it's such like a subjective thing. Like, are you saying that God spoke from the heavens? Like, yes, no, he does sometimes. And sometimes he speaks to us. The best way I can describe my experiences are it's like a very, it's like a very, very pronounced, strong thought. Like, that did not come from me at all. And it's, it's a guiding thought. But still remember the order. If I have this pronounced thought that is against the scripture, it is from the wrong spirit. So beware of that. So revelation through scripture, then providence. But also sometimes God just speaks to us. I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I was a Bible worker, and I worked with a canvassing program in Michigan. So whenever I wasn't giving a Bible study, I'd go work with the canvassers, because canvassing's really hard, and you need encouragement. So I did that with them. So one morning, about 6 a.m., I was kneeling next to my bed and just praying through the day. And, you know, Lord, please guide me in this Bible study. I don't know how to study this. I don't even remember what I was praying about. Something about the day. And as I was praying, this very, very clear, pronounced Bible study outline came to my mind on John chapter 4, which is about the woman at the well. And it was in my mind about how Jesus is the best canvasser. I'm not a canvasser. I mean, I'm working with canvassers, but like, I'm not a canvasser. But how he follows all the best principles. And so I'm like, this is, I'm trying to pray. <laughs> Go away. But it, it was just very strong. Like, okay, so I got my notebook out, and I'm just following along the thoughts. And it was just like a perfectly written Bible study. And I finished it. Like anything else? And it stopped. Okay. Put the book down. That was weird. Kept praying. About 10 minutes later, my friend Cynthia called me. Cynthia was the canvassing leader at that time. She's like, hey, Kelly, did I wake you? No, no, I'm good. Hi, well, good morning. Hey, so this is going to sound really weird. Um, I'm supposed to give a devotional for the canvassers this morning, but as I was praying about it this morning, God told me to call you, I think. I'm sorry if that sounds super weird, but like, I think God wants you to speak. Okay, do you have something? I know it's super last minute, it's like in an hour. No, that's fine, I have something. Okay, well, I don't mean to be annoying, but like, it's a really strict theme. Like, we're talking about how Bible characters are the best canvassers. I don't really know if you have anything on that. I do. Oh, perfect, praise God. And it all came together. And I went and I preached and it was amazing. Now, did God give me that outline perfectly for this sermon? Sadly, no. <laughs> and it doesn't happen that often. But I have had Bible studies and sermons where it's like Jesus is just like, here, here you go. <laughs> Prepared the whole thing. Have a good time. There's other times that it's slower. But that experience really spoke to me and showed me that God really does still speak to us. God is willing to do crazy things just for a devotional for about 20 high schoolers. God cares. And God is able to speak to us if we're willing to listen to him. The last one I want to talk about is counsel. Proverbs 11:14. I do want to go to this verse. If you'll come with me, please. Proverbs 11:14. 
The Bible says, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. God often speaks through other people, sometimes a community, and sometimes we're stubborn, you and me, and sometimes God can't quite get through to us, so he gets through to our brothers and sisters so they can say it to us for him. I cannot tell you how many times I've been corrected in my journey by someone who listens to God better than I do. Uh, the dad in the email is, so going back to, remember that job I wasn't supposed to get in July? My dad is the one who told me to email the conference president at the end of July for a full-time job. And I said, Dad, that's a very foolish idea. He's like, all right, do it anyways. And I could have just ignored him and said, no, there's no way I'm going to get a job. I'm wasting my time. But I emailed the conference president. He emailed a principal. That principal emailed me, and I got a job at the end. So just listening to small practical counsel, uh, different people's relationship with God, those things can guide us in ways that our brains work differently from each other, right? And sometimes there's a way that God can appeal to us differently than one another. Now, those four ways, what if you're still not sure? What if there's something in your mind, say, Callie, cool presentation, like the, like the bullet points, that's nice, but um, I've read the Bible, no clarity, providence, still kind of confusing, there's sort of the influence of the Spirit, but I'm not sure, and everyone's counsel is completely different, so what, what, do, I, what do I do now? This is not very helpful. Great question. First, there's a few reasons why sometimes God's will is still not clear. The first one is sometimes God is not clear because he actually was. We just don't want to obey. Like the story of Gideon, right? So first, well, he has the two different ways. Okay, like, well, first make the fleece wet. Okay, actually, don't make the fleece wet. That was too easy. Okay, now make the ground wet and the fleece dry. He's just trying to find a way (laughs) to delay the inevitable because, yeah, fighting against the Midianites, kind of scary. I'd probably do the same thing. But it wasn't that God wasn't clear. He just wasn't quite ready to obey. So sometimes you and I can be talking to our friends or we can can be talking to God and say, Lord, I kind of get the sense you want me to do this, but I just, I don't know if it's clear. And it's not lack of clarity. It's just an abundance of fear. And it's abundance of just not wanting to do it. And God can show us our hearts. And so sometimes we just need to surrender that. Another reason things are unclear is because sometimes we just don't need to know. It's not for us to know yet or at all. Lord, what am I going to do in three and a half years from now? You don't need to know yet. It's okay. If you're as J as much as I am, if if I can get through it, you can get through it too. (laughs) It's okay. You don't have to know everything at the same time. Well, Lord, what's going to happen with my child that I... You don't need to know yet. What's going to happen to my sister, my brother, my... Anyone... You don't need to know yet. I'll take care of them, and I'll take care of you. Just be patient. And sometimes it's not our business to know it all. Lord, what's going to happen with that person's life if we're not connected anymore? Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. God will take care of all the people, and he'll take care of you. The third reason sometimes it's unclear is because sometimes we're reasoning from silence. We're making up parts of God's will. God has gotten such a bad rep about being a God of restriction. Yet in the Garden of Eden, he says, you, of all the trees, you may freely eat. Just don't eat one. He didn't say, only eat these three, the rest are banned. 
He said, you can eat all of them, just not this one. And whether that means there were 10 trees, a thousand trees, or a billion trees, he is still a God of generosity and freedom. Don't make him into something that he's not. Sometimes God says, all the options are great. You choose. You're not choosing, if you're choosing between being a dentist and a drug dealer, okay, probably God has a will. But if you're choosing to be a dentist in this, in this office or this office, both of them might be perfectly fine. And God says, just choose what you want. I'm good either way. So sometimes we're reasoning from silence. And it's good to remember that God is a God of freedom. God's will is not always easy, but it is always simple. We don't have to complicate it. And so please remember, when God is speaking, he is a clear God. If he's not clear, he might not be speaking. If that makes sense, please say amen. Our last point on how we can know God's will for our life is believe that God is good. Believe that God is good. A few years ago, I was talking to a friend. I just finished teaching in a a short little evangelism class. And one of the students came up to me afterwards and told me they disagreed with my view of God. I go, okay. Tell me more. (laughs) And he basically talked about how he was studying to be a surgeon, um, which takes a very long time, as I'm sure people in this room know. (laughs) And he talked about how he was just, you know, God, he had to keep his spiritual disciplines perfect because otherwise God wouldn't let him be a surgeon. It's like, oh, okay. Where do you get that idea from? He said, well, you know, God expects excellence. I agree. And God expects us to do our best also agree. So if I don't do my best, then God won't give me what I want. Oh, there's so many things wrong with that sentence. Okay. Um, And as we talked more and more, I realized that he, I told him, (laughs) said, you know, I think you believe that God is an evil vending machine. He's like, what? It's offensive. (laughs) Like, well, that's, you don't even believe he's a vending machine because you think even if you press the right buttons, you might not get what you want. So he's not even just a regular vending machine. He's a bad one that you have to kick sometimes. Like, it's very, it's not good. But that isn't the God that we serve. God is a God who has better plans for us than we have plans for ourselves. And it comes down, you know, it always comes down to this, that that God is a God of love. And not a love like we've experienced in this world, especially a lot of us, and how we've grown up, that's not that kind of love. It's a love that, that transcends even what we can comprehend. And so it's hard to figure that out sometimes. But I'm here to say that God is not an evil vending machine. (laughs) Instead, God is a God who gives us what is good. He doesn't always give us what we want, though, because we're often like my 10-year-old brother, whom I love, but he thinks a good dinner is 12 Tootsie Rolls. Not a good dinner. So I don't give him what he wants, but I give him what is good. That might be one Tootsie Roll afterwards. I'm open, but not 10 for dinner. And God doesn't, and that's what I love about God too, is he loves us more than he loves our opinion of him. God is willing to make us unhappy for our best. You might misunderstand this, Callie, but this is what's good for you. So that's what I'm going to do for you. And so God always does what is good, even if it doesn't feel good at the time. Go with me, please, to Jeremiah 29, 11. Even if you have it memorized, even if you have it like on a pillow at home, please go with me there anyways. Jeremiah, I'm only saying that because when I know Bible verses, I don't go. So I'm blasting myself 
through you. Sorry. So Jeremiah 29, verse 11. God speaking, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God is not up in heaven thinking, how can I make their stay on earth the most miserable possible, but like also sanctifying? God is up in heaven saying, how can I bless them to such an extent that I want to, but also keep them close to me at the same time so they don't worship the blessings instead of me? That is God's biggest problem, is how do I restrain my blessings? How do I restrain the goodness that I want to give to them so it doesn't push them away from me? This is one of my favorite quotes that talks about God's will. It's from Our Father Cares, page 66, and it says this. God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led if they could see the end from the beginning and discern the glory of the purpose which they are fulfilling as co-workers with him. This is a quote that we have to accept by faith because we don't have the eyesight of God. We can't see everything. We can't see how even right now our lives are intertwined and we are, we are interacting and influencing each other right now. We can't see that. We don't know what's best for us, let alone everyone else around us. But God does. And when we get to heaven, by God's grace, we can look back and say, wow, great job, God. I wouldn't have done anything differently. Excellent execution, Lord. Sorry for disobeying you in these parts, but everything else worked out great. God has such beautiful plans, and he wants to give us that abundant life. And it does require faith. It does require trust. But God is willing to reveal his will to us. Go with me to the last verse, please. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. Because sometimes we may even know God's will, but it terrifies us. Lord, that's really scary. I can tell you I am moving to Kenya in three weeks. I'm getting married in two weeks, and I'm moving to Kenya in three weeks. I'm also changing careers. I like all my changes in batches. Um, and that terrifies me to move that far away from my family. I love Nairobi, Kenya. It's a beautiful place. I love my fiance. He's a wonderful person. But I'm going to miss my family, and I'm going to miss knowing how things work, and I'm going to miss being close to my friends. I'm going to miss the, the, being on the same time zone as my friends. And that, that can be scary. So God's will is sometimes beyond our capacity. And 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, gives me courage. But he said to me, meaning God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God is such a compassionate God. He isn't even like what we might think of, okay, here's the instructions, go do it. I'll see you at the finish line, and I'll see you there. But God carries us and walks with us, even in fulfilling the will that he has prescribed to us. So as we close, so how do we actually know God's will for our life? How do we actually do that on a day-to-day -day basis in the big decisions, the little decisions? First is follow the truth that you already have. We each have enough 
for what we need to know right now. All of us do. And know that God will tell you more and tell me more as we need to know. The second is trust that God is clear when he speaks. If he's unclear, he's either not speaking and we're not really listening. The third is believe that not only does he have good plans for you, but he will enable you to walk with him wherever he takes you. Please bow your heads with me one more time. Father in heaven, thank you for being a God that delights to show us things. Thank you for being a God that loves to be clear, that loves to be good to us, and loves um, to be obeyed because you know that our best lives come when we obey you. I don't know what you've said to my brothers and sisters here, but I pray that they would hold it in their hearts. I pray that you'd give them courage. I pray that you would give us your peace, and I pray that you'd give us clarity in whatever we need clarity in. We lay any and all of these burdens at your feet, and we trust that you will take care of us because you already did the greatest taking care of us in sending Jesus to die for us and to take our sins. As we enter into this Sabbath, the rest of this day, may your peace abide in our hearts, and may we trust you in everything. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.